The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every other week, for like the past 23 years in a row, we've been striving to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to uh, start or grow your own real estate investing business. And one of the sidelights to a lot of real estate investing businesses these days, and interestingly, one of the uh, things that you will find in common amongst practically all really wealthy real estate entrepreneurs is some involvement in the note business, the business not of directly buying, selling, holding, collecting payments from, etc., uh, houses and apartment buildings and mobile homes and I guess mobile homes aren't really strictly speaking real estate, but mobile home parks are strictly speaking real estate. Uh, but rather buying, selling, or sometimes originating the uh, financing on the real estate. You know, people people doing what you normally think of banks as doing. And over the years here on Real Life Real Estate, we've had a lot of the National gurus on the topic of note buying. Uh, Donna Bauer has been here several times. Eddie Speed, Joe Varnador, Scott Carson, uh, Mike uh, Rusica was on a few months ago in our um, X Factor Investors. Uh, so lots of different sort of sort of views from let's just say on high about how the real estate uh, note business ought to work, but. Today we decided to take a little bit of a different tack and talk to a real-life investor who's got no courses for sale, who uh, has only really gotten started in the note business relatively recently, uh, to, to talk to us a little more about like the, the realities of what it takes to get started in the note business, uh, the pros and cons, what you got to do as somebody who is seriously interested in taking this on. It's Bill Griesmer from uh, the Columbus area, although I do not believe he is joining us from his home in Columbus. I believe he is out west somewhere on vacation, and uh, he is here today to fill us in on his adventures in note buying so far. Bill, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you very much for having me, Vina. Yep, you're exactly correct. I'm speaking to you live from Sedona, Arizona. Sedona, Arizona. So you waited until the middle of the summer. When you could get when you could get ninety seven here in Ohio to go to Arizona. Yeah, we've got about ninety seven here, but it's you know the old uh, western dry heat, and mm-hmm. uh, 
I'll tell you what, the views more than make up for it. The Red Rocks are uh, very gorgeous out here. I uh, had a hot air balloon ride yesterday, and uh, things are uh, things are really neat here. Nice. Nice. So let's, uh, first of all, let's make sure that listeners understand that you are perfectly willing to ask to answer any question that is within your realm of knowledge when it comes to the Noten mortgage business and that, uh, you know, if somebody wants to and challenge you or, you know, ask about something you've said, that this is the day to do it. And the number at which to do it is 877-772-9658. Alternatively, of course, you can always uh, simply send a uh, an email. You can send it to askvina at gmail.com. So uh, if you have any questions today, uh, that you're not going to get a guru answer to, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get, take my course. Um, this is, this is, this is the day to ask him again, 877-772-9658 or alternatively askvina at gmail.com. And, you know, let's just start with the, the most obvious question here, Bill. Uh, it's not like you just, it's not like you just found out about the real estate world. You've been, you've been hanging around a while and you saw other things that you could do. What was it that, that, perked you up about notes and mortgages that was not true about other things? Well, it was a couple things, Vina. Uh, first of all, I did look at a number of other real estate options, uh, partly through your course, uh, notes, uh, or excuse me, real estate 101. Uh, at least that's what you called it back, uh, back when I took it. And there's several things about notes that appealed to me. First of all, notes are a little bit more analytical. Um, I don't want to say that there's no analysis and other real estate investments, but a lot of the things with uh, note investing you can do um, from your own house. Uh, A lot of it revolves around looking at a spreadsheet, making phone calls from home. Uh, You don't need to necessarily go out and physically see and walk through um, 50 houses or 100 houses or anything like that. Uh, That was the very first thing that appealed to me. Uh, secondly, um, it's just my nature to look into things uh, from a higher level uh, perspective. And I guess the uh, big thing that was the clincher, this isn't all the time, but a lot of times in note investing, you can truly come up with a uh, win-win-win scenario. Um, there are deals you can work out so that if you buy a non-performing note, the borrower ends up happy if they end get to stay in their home. Um the seller uh, ends up happy that they were able to sell a note that maybe they hadn't been paying on, for example. Uh, and then I end up happy because I can end up with a very nice uh, return on an investment. Uh, I think that's probably uh, more likely to see that in note investing than some other forms of real estate investing. So those were kind of the big three things that appealed to me about note investing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So the, th- the thing you liked about it is the thing that I think sometimes scares people off of the business, which is that it is almost all about spreadsheets and formulas and numbers and not so much about the properties. Yeah, that is exactly the case. Um, When you're a note investor, it's different than landlording, for example, because you're not generally getting calls from tenants uh, about the old, uh, you know, toilets and uh, light bulbs and trash and that type of thing dealing with people that actually own their homes and in the vast majority of the cases you know they do really want to stay in their home so most of the time there's a lot less uh, hands-on uh, work with that 
Uh, there's other note investors I know. My friend Wayne right now, for example, he's hiking out um, in Europe somewhere. And uh, I think he's in the Alps. And uh, he actually, you know, sent me a note that, hey, you know, I just got this uh, payment on a note. Uh, my friend and mentor, Scott Carson, same thing. He just uh, just this week got back from several weeks over in Europe and he sent us, you know, a note that, hey, these houses, these notes that I uh, had purchased, they paid off while I was in Europe. Uh, you can do some of that in other real estate investing, but uh, notes, instead of a landlord, you're more of a lean lord, L-I-E-N, lean lord. So um, I like the kind of hands-off aspect of it also. And one other thing that's a little bit different about note investing is you can also hire what's called a third-party servicer, uh, in which is generally a good idea. It's not absolutely necessary. But the third-party servicers really make sure that you're compliant with the law, and uh, they take care of the day-to-day details, and uh, most of the times they will actually speak with the borrowers, that type of thing. So those are some other things that I really liked about note investing. Very good. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Bill Griesmer, who's yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, who's Bill Griesmer? Well, he's, he's, he's a guy who did what you didn't do, and he, he got the course on note buying, and then he actually went and bought some notes. That's who he is. So we're talking to him today about kind of his adventures in that, good and bad, um, what he thinks, you know, makes a good note investor. A little bit later on, we'll talk about what he thinks makes a good note. We're also going to answer your questions if you want to call him in at 877-772-9658. Again, that's 877-772-9658. Or you can send them to askvina at gmail.com. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is Bill Griesmer, who is, I I don't want to, you know, like give him no props for how far he's come because he's uh, running the uh, note buying focus group up at um, Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs, which is a monthly you know, you guys want to know what focus groups are. You all belong to RIAs. It's a monthly group about how to get better at note buying. And people come and network and, I guess, buy and sell notes with each other. And he's been hosting some podcasts lately for uh, folks in the note world. So um, he's doing, he's really doing a lot. Uh, it's just that unlike some of these guys who come on and they're like, oh, note buying, it's like as easy as breathing in and out because they've been doing it for 25 years. Bill is still new enough in the strategy that he is aware <laughs> of what the challenges are and uh, can help can help uh, explain them to the rest of us. Uh, so, Bill, you, you mentioned some ways in which note buying is like super duper different than real estate. Like it, it's so different that a lot of times real estate people have have trouble people who are already in real estate have trouble wrapping their brains around stuff like well why i don't understand why i don't why don't why do i not need to go see the house of course i need to go see the house i'm buying the note on the house someone's going to make me payments i got to know what the house is and they have a really difficult time with some of these ideas like it might not be me contacting the person who's supposed to pay me but there are some ways in which it's somewhat similar right Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I should clarify, Vina, when I, I said that I personally don't have to go and see the house, uh, that is uh, 
one essential aspect of due diligence really on any note you buy, whether it's a performing note, non-performing note, is you want to get someone, I repeat at least someone, preferably a local realtor or uh, maybe an investor you know in that area to get out and see the house. So similar to regular uh, real estate or landlording or fix and flipping or wholesaling, it is essential to get a uh, fair market value on that house. Um, I would say both a fair market value on that house as it stands there sitting there right now, and then also get an idea of fair market value on that house, uh, what it would be like if it was 100% fixed up. Uh, There are times you can buy a note on a house that does uh, need some uh, upkeep and such. And then you want to try to think through your exit strategies and uh, what you personally are trying to do. Uh, I have met some note investors that they use note investing uh, mainly as a vehicle just to buy more houses that, that they can then rent out. So under that scenario, they will be looking more so for a homeowner that is uh, woefully, uh, it's maybe been several years since they've paid up. Uh, they might be looking for a vacant house, for example. Um, however, there are other note investors uh, who uh, just buy performing loans and then generally, you know, you're looking, hoping the house is in better condition because you're wanting for a house that someone will want to stay in. So anyway, I'm getting a little bit off topic there. Uh, the ability to look at a house and really uh, set, um, uh, see the value both uh, as is and then as you will uh, have it in the future, that's very, very important. And the other thing that is important is just your general business sense and um uh, Networking is very important. Uh, We also work with a team of uh, professionals as note investors, uh, whether it be uh, attorneys or sometimes property preservation companies. Uh, Those are some other similarities from note investing to regular real estate investing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. So your own personal preference right now, performing or non-performing notes? I'm... uh, gravitating and uh, working more so in non-performing notes right now. Uh, My personal exit strategy I'm trying to do, I'm looking for houses that have had recent payments and that have an increased uh, chance, a high chance of uh, just working out an agreement with the borrowers and uh, ideally just being able to either reinstate the mortgage or at the very worst, uh, being able to somewhat modify their loan to keep them in the house And that way I don't have to get involved in any type of repairs or rehab or anything. And it's really just a matter of paperwork of uh, either reinstating the loan or modifying the loan. I might have to work with an attorney and probably the service company to make sure that that all gets uh, recorded and uh, the paperwork is done properly and then I enjoy a nice uh, return on uh, my investment. So you're looking for... You're looking for notes that would be categorized as non-performing, but they you have some reason to believe that they kind of sort of are performing? Mm-hmm. Exactly. What you will look for is, uh, especially if they've made a payment, say, within the last six months or 12 months, uh, that would be one indication that, hey, they haven't, you know, completely given up. Um, you know, it's not that they're uh, just looking to stay in the house for free. Uh, Another thing that we look at is something called emotional equity. 
Um, you know, you try to look at the house and see, is the house in decent repair? Is it, um, you know, are all the windows intact? Are all the doors intact? Is uh, the siding in that intact? Um, are there, uh, does it need, you know, uh, did it need, you know, new paint 10 years ago? Or does the exterior generally look pretty good? Is the roof in decent shape? Um, those would be signs that uh, a borrower is uh, wanting to stay in the house. Um, whereas if you were to go to the house and it looks, you know, woefully, uh, you know, the old, uh, deferred maintenance, um, if a lot of that is evident, then it could be someone that, well, you know, they might be living there, but you know, they stopped paying years ago and they're just going to live there for free as long as they possibly can until someone kicks them out. Um, again, that's just not my personal uh, exit strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that uh, is there a name for that? Is there a name for like I want I want defaulted, but I want defaulted that I'm like really really sure these people are probably want their house and are gonna f- work it out with me. Uh, I don't know if there there would be an actual name for that. Um, again, it's just an exit strategy, and it just helps you. It helps you with your decision making and your. Um, tree of strategy and what it is exactly that you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what is it about, I mean, there, there are so many different things that happen in the note business. It's, it's a lot like, it's a lot like the real estate business, right? You can, you can find five people who call themselves real estate investors, but one of them actually wholesales and one of them retails and one of them does lease options. And, you know, it, they, they do different things, even though they're all, you know, officially in the note buying field. And it's the same thing or sorry, the real estate field, the same thing in the note buying field. There's people mm-hmm. who there's people who only buy performing and all they want is just that return. And there's people who only buy like super duper non-performing crazy seconds that there's no equity in the property. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you just you can't get your you can't get your head around why anybody would do that. And there's people like you who, who go after the defaulted ones, but with the expectation, the hope that they will they will reperform. What was it about you, Bill? in your life today that made you look at all that stuff and go, what's for me is this non-performing? Uh, it gets into your goal setting and your particular circumstances as to why you make the decisions that you can. Um, in my case, um, I don't need the, uh, I don't need to be paid right away. Uh, even with the uh, scenario I laid out, there will be times that you may have to foreclose and you may have a borrower that's going to fight you every single step of the way. And so it is possible sometimes that you may go a year or so if you buy a note before you were to get any money from it. Um, under that scenario, if someone's going to fight you and they're just not willing to go, but they're not willing to uh, pay up, then, you know, you will have to foreclose. There's there's three main strategies. You have your uh, modifier reinstatement. That's when you just get the borrower paying again in some regard. Uh, number two would be some type of a deed in lieu is what it's called, or um, possibly a cash for keys. Under that scenario, you just uh, talk with the borrower and you say, look, you know, you're not paying. And from what you're telling me, you're not going to pay. Um, that we can't continue under that circumstance. So I'll tell you what, if you just sign the house over to me, 
then, you know, you can go and I'm not going to report this to the IRS or anything like that, or I won't file other paperwork um, to try to come after you, I should say more so. I'm, I'm not going to sue you for the balance of the loan. Um, and that would be one way, actually, then you could get the house back very quickly, and then you can just sell it and uh, get your return and go on about your way. Uh, number third would be uh, what I started to talk about then. Uh, if you do have to go through a full foreclosure, that's a full-blown legal process, and that can take a little bit longer, like I said, up to a year, uh, sometimes even longer, depending on the state where the asset is being held. And the one other thing, uh, Bina, I would mention, although I'm primarily looking after uh, non-performing notes right now, um, I still do actually buy and sell performing notes as well. Um, I just had a potential investor the other day that told me that he was looking more so for a a performing note. So I certainly listen to him. If I do end up working with an investor, I listen to their uh, situation and their goal setting and their comfort level with things. And then I try to come up with a, uh, an opportunity for them that's going to make sense for them. So for that particular investor, I'm actually looking at some performing notes because uh, that's where he's at. That's what he's more comfortable with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, listeners, if you've got questions about the reality of the note buying world, how it really works for people who don't have a $10 million hedge fund that's going out and buying a thousand defaulted notes from Citibank all at the same time. This is the day to ask those. 877-772-9658. Again, 877-772-9658. Uh, you can also send us an email at askvena at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V-E-N-A at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Bill Greismer, who is uh, talking to us about the note buying business and his his take on it so far. Uh, before we jump into a couple of questions that we have here, uh, one, on, one on the phone and two on the email, uh, got uh, some information for local folks, and then even then some folks, then for folks who are even not local, about how to get more information about the note business. If that's something you're interested in, uh, Bill is speaking here in Cincinnati on June 21st at the Cincinnati RIA meeting. Uh, he's actually going to walk through a, an example of a note here in Ohio because that's something we don't get to see a lot. We always get to see the big dollar California defaulted $250,000 second mortgage and you don't run across a lot of those here in Ohio. So he's going to he's going to show you like an Ohio deal and how that worked and uh sort of sort of also walk you through the process of how it was found and financed and all of those sorts of things which I think uh is something that's um missing in some ways in the note education industry until you get up to that level where you're paying paying thousands of dollars to see that uh, that's June 21. Uh, that's next Thursday, week from tomorrow. And you can uh, get more information and get a free guest pass for that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. Now, if you're out of town and you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not flying to Cincinnati for a 90-minute meeting, Cincinnati RIA is also holding its very first ever note summit on August the 11th and 12th. And this is going to be two days of people who want to buy notes, people who have notes to sell, people who are already doing notes, people who want to learn about notes, getting together and 
having educational sessions. There will be some of the, some of the folks there that Bill Bill has mentioned you need in your business, like uh, loan servicers and uh, people who are sources of notes, people who have uh, notes, you know, that they sell, like, like hedge funds and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And that's open to everybody. Like anybody can come to that, and it's 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 cheap. Like even if you're not a member of Cincinnati Rea, it's under two hundred fifty dollars to attend both days, and like lunch is provided. It's 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 going to be super interesting because this is not like uh, just an event where you go and you learn from the gurus all day long. Though we'll have a couple of those too. It's real life people saying, "Here's a note deal I did in my IRA, and here's a note deal I did that went horribly wrong, but then I fixed it. <laughs> here's how I fixed it, and mm-hmm. uh, here's a note I originated because I like originating notes, and uh, I think folks will really like it, but here, the thing is, it's going to fill up because we only we only reserved a room for 100 people, not knowing how many might want to show up. So giving you fair warning, listeners, it's CincinnatiRia.com. Just scroll forward on the calendar, August 11th and 12th. There's not a ton of detail up there right now, but you'll be able to sign up right now, which is good. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Blaine on line one, who's from Cincinnati. Blaine, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Hi, Bill. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Hi, Blaine. Uh, Bill, how you doing, buddy? Good to talk to you. I'm doing great. How are yeah. you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Bill and I know each other, Vina. Sorry. I, I, I gathered that. I, I was just going to step yeah. back and let you guys talk to each other. Yeah, no. Uh, in fact, I was one of those guys that uh, helped Bill out at one point where he was looking at an opportunity here in Cincinnati on a note, and uh, uh, I kind of went out and took some pictures and uh, helped him out on that. But, Bill, the reason I was calling was, I thought it might be interesting to talk about the opportunities around um, people like me working with people like you uh, to buy notes. I'm I'm not taking the lead position like Bill is. I'm primarily a, a JV investor. I work with the guys who know how to do it like Bill, uh, and I'm able to um, do the investing through my 401k, self-directed 401k, uh, mm-hmm. working with people like Bill and and. I started about nine months ago, and I've done eight notes hmm. um, since I started with with other hmm. people. So, it might be interesting, Bill, for you to talk about how that might work for for people like me who are listening and maybe are a little bit uh, shy about jumping in on the front end. And 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 actually, Blaine, I'm gonna I'm gonna take one second. I'm gonna translate from note speak to listeners who might not speak anything except English. A JV partner in the note business is the guy who, who guy who provides the money. He's the guy who's who's gonna who's gonna write the check to close the note, and it's JV because it's joint venture. And the other guy who, in this scenario that we're talking about right now, is Bill, is kind of the working the working partner, the one who finds the deal. If the if something needs to be done to the deal, he would typically be responsible for that. And then in some way. The money is split up, and Blaine, I think that's what you want to address is, you know, how, how, how do these people find each other, and how do they split the money up? Exactly. It's a great question, yeah, Bill. Yeah, and, yep, it's a great question, and um, that's the thing that uh, is a very important le- lesson for the audience to understand is uh, you don't necessarily have to know everything, and what Blaine's talking about, doing like a JV partnership is a great way to kind of get your uh, toes in the water and to learn the business a little bit. Um, What I do with a situation like that is I always start with an investor questionnaire. And it's not not very long. It's just three-quarters of a page. I just try to get a sense of um, 
uh, how much money they have to invest and uh, what exactly they're looking for, what their life situation is. Are they looking for, you know, a consistent, you know, cash stream that starts like next month? Or are they in a situation where I just want to return on my investment? I don't care if it's a year from now. Um, that's fine, too. You're trying to get an idea of where they are in their life and what exactly they are looking for. And then you really want to try to find an opportunity uh, that will fit them. And uh, that will help you determine whether it's you're going to look for a performing note or a non-performing note and what about that note you know, you might look for. There's lots of different um you know, strategies and options that you can look for. Um, so once you do that, then you kind of, I also then make sure that um, basically that I speak with them and uh, talk them, uh, talk things through with them, ideally in person, uh, sometimes just over the phone, because you do just want to make sure that you're doing business with someone that you're going to be a good fit with. Uh, for example, I um, once uh, declined to really go into much um, much else with a partner because they were really uh, kind of desperate. They really didn't have um, very much money at all, and uh, they were willing to talk with me about kind of their last uh, little bit, and I just didn't feel right under those circumstances, and I just thought, you know, it just, it, like I said, if anything does go wrong, um, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to feel that I'm leaving you in the lurch, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So you do try to make sure that you're um, just uh, a good fit in terms of temperament and um, that you can provide really what they're looking for. Uh, some other JV partners, you know, they might want something unrealistic. You know, they might be expecting like a 50% return in, you know, six months or a year. And there are stories where that can happen, but those are certainly not the rule. And you certainly don't want to overpromise on anything. So you uh, you get the investor questionnaire. You talk through uh, the scenario with the uh, potential JV partner, and then you uh, you know from my perspective, then it's time to go to work. Then it's time to you know beat the bushes and find a note and say, look, you know, in what I do is I always make sure I'm fully transparent with my investors. I'll say, look, this is you know the note. Um, these are the things that I like about it. It has a good investment to value ratio, for example. Um, there's uh, some math speak that uh, is probably too much to go over on the radio, but uh, there's certain you know financial formulas that you look at, and we try to kind of forecast the future as best we can. I do make sure to stress that there's no guarantee, but I try to say, look, this is the most likely scenario, and if this works out the way I think it would, then this is what I would see happening. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I also say, well, and if that doesn't happen, there's other exit strategies, and this what will happen is what will happen if that um, were to occur. So essentially, the three um, basic scenarios I laid out before with a non-performing note, your reinstatement, your uh, deed in lieu, taking the house back, and then your foreclosure, I generally try to come up with a um, projection of what would happen under all three of those. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a performing note, like I mentioned, then I will go through also and say, look, um, this is a little bit more straightforward. You know, they're paying, you know, $500 a month. So, um, you know, with your investment, this will return you, uh, you know, 10% uh, a year on your money, for example. So that's how that process works. And then, um, you know, you're there to just uh, hold the uh, JV partner's hand and 
Some JV partners want to be very involved, and they are looking at this as a learning opportunity for them, and they want to learn from me. Uh, like you mentioned, I don't have any type of a course to sell, but I'm always happy to answer questions as we're going. Um, and then there's other JV partners that are just, uh, you know, I just want the sausage. I don't really want to hear how the sausage is made. And, Bill, you just go and do your thing and, uh, you know, then send me a check. And that works just fine also. In some ways it's a little bit easier, but I personally kind of enjoy the teaching and education as well. So, um that's how that kind of process works, start let to me, finish there. Let me ask, is Blaine still on the line? Blaine? Uh, yes, I'm still here. Hey, yeah. I, I, I have a question for you. Uh, do you ever foresee yourself in the future taking on the active role? Are you doing this, are you doing this because you want to learn how to go find notes, etc.? Uh, I, I am. My, my role right now is I'm kind of doing the passive um, and learning about uh, non-performing notes, and I've done that now with four investors, four different uh, lead investors, I guess, like Bill, uh, and I'm learning in the process. And then I, on my own, I'm investing in uh, performing notes as well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where so, I'm taking the lead. So you are, you are, you are sort of the person that Bill is is talking about when he says, you know, there's folks out there with money who want to learn the business, and this is a good way for them to do it, and also get money. But there are probably 10 times more folks out there who never want to get actively involved in the business. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. They just they just see this as a way to, to diversify, get, uh, you know, returns that are going to be high relative to other things that they could be doing with their money. And I, I just I, I'm always feeling like I have to point out to listeners that not everybody is you. If everybody was you, we would all try, we would all be doing exactly the same thing, and we'd be stepping on each other all the time. <laughs> there's people, mm-hmm. there's people with money who don't want to do any work. There's people with money who they want to put the money out there so that they can learn to do the work, and then there's people without the money who want to do the work. And they're all, they're all, yep. they're they're all, they all have their own reasons for doing things, and they do them, and that's why the business works. Yep, you're exactly right, Vina, and that's why. Um... You know, like I said, out in my process, I try to deal with each and each investor individually, and that's with following the law. For example, I learned a lot of this from Jillian Sedoti. Um, that's the way it should work. Um, you can get in trouble if you skip these steps and if you just start, you know, wildly throwing this out. You know, well, I've just got this note here, and I need someone to pay for it. So here, you buy this. This will be perfect for you. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's just not how I do business, and that's not the way the um, you know the law wants you to do business. Well, now that we've brought now we've, that we've brought Blaine into the conversation, I want to ask you another question. Mentally, how okay. do you, how do you manage the risk? These are these are non-performing notes. Sometimes they never become performing notes. Sometimes you you you're the guy with the money in the deal, and so you're the guy who, if there is money to be lost, is going to lose it. So, in in your head, as as a JV investor, how do you get around that? Well, so the the big picture is um, I mentioned that I'm doing this through my self-directed 401k. So I took some money out of my retirement, my kind of my standard retirement funds, you know, bonds and stocks and the 60-40 split and all that kind of stuff that we're used to. And you're hopeful if you get a, 
you know, a 7 to 10% return on that stuff. It's been great the past couple of years, but that long term, that's not the way the, the market looks in, the, in stocks and bonds. So I'm looking for a little bit higher return, um, so higher risk. And um, I've created the, the self-directed 401k, and through the tax benefits associated with that, that allows me to take on even more risk and, and still not get too concerned about it. So uh, the first thing I do is I select very carefully the people that I invest with. Um, that's probably the most important thing to do is to choose the people that you're investing with as people. Forget about what they know about notes and real estate and all those kind of things. Are they people that you can work with and you can trust? That's number one. Um, number two, then, is obviously getting to their, their knowledge. And, yes, you're absolutely right. There's a there's an there's a an opportunity to lose it all on any particular deal um but if you spread the risk over a number of assets and a number of investors i think you can cover that risk and protect yourself in the long run mm-hmm. so that's kind of the way i look at it at the high level so you're not you're not unaware of the risk it's not that bill's been telling you never everything's going to everything's always going to be fine you're you're aware of it you've thought it through and you've decided to put your money there anyway cuz it works for you yes very good I uh, really appreciate your call, Blaine. Thanks. Bet you I'm, didn't... I'm headed over to see uh, or listen to Jillian, in fact, uh, right now. Oh, okay, right, at the Passive Investor Focus Group for Cincinnati RIA. Very good. Say hi to yeah. her for me. Uh, I will. Take care. <laughs> thank you, Blaine. Uh, we need to take one final break. It's Real Life Real Estate Investing. If you sent an email to askvian at gmail.com, we are going to get to it. We just, you know, I had the opportunity to talk to the money part of that partnership, and I was going to do it. So uh, if you have a question, you can still send it in to askvina at gmail.com or call it into 877-772-9658, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, uh, talking today to uh, Bill Griesmer and all of his friends who are calling in at 877-772-9658. Uh, Bill, again, is going to be the featured speaker at uh, next week's, not tomorrow's, a week from tomorrow's uh, Cincinnati RIA meeting. You can come and actually see a presentation with pictures and documents and slides and all that kind of stuff. Uh, at 7.30, it's uh, CincinnatiRIA.com to get your free guest pass or RSVP. Also, I'm sure Bill will be presenting at the uh, the uh, Note Summit on August the 11th and 12th here in Cincinnati, which, uh, you know, even if you're from out of town, it's worth coming in for a two-day conference that, again, under 250 bucks to attend. Uh, that is also at CincinnatiRIA.com. Just check the calendar um, so, Bill, we've been getting some uh, questions via uh, email as well. Uh, this one is from John, who I know for a fact is coming to see you next week because he mentioned it on my Facebook page. Uh, he has two questions. Number one, where does Bill find his notes? Well, that is a great question, and that is something that I'm always doing is always looking for inventory. And there's several places. Uh, what I've been doing lately is starting to go directly to banks. Uh, despite what you may hear, you can buy directly from banks. Those are many times the very best loans to buy. Um, in general, they will have better underwriting, uh, and uh, they will give you more time to uh, actually close on the assets. That's one way. Um, there are online um, auction sites that you can buy from also. Uh, these are sites like Granite or FCI 
or the VIP Asset Exchange, um, and anyone can go on there and uh, buy notes. That's the, what they uh, exist for. That's how they uh, make their uh, uh, money as a company. Um, NoteMLS.com. Or Loan MLS, that's, a, that's what it's called. Loan MLS is one that sends me emails all the time. Yeah, Loan MLS, that would be another one. And uh, that's a great place to learn and start to see what's out there. Um, some of the loans, they can be expensive, though. Um, it's kind of like, um, you know, the Walmart. And um, uh, it's easy to uh, find notes there, but uh, they do charge it for the convenience there. <laughs> um, there are then uh, other sites. Um, I've known other note investors who use direct mailing campaigns, and you can purchase lists of people that have uh, sold a house via seller finance. And again, it's it depends on everyone's circumstance, but a lot of times you'll find someone and, you know, hey, you know, I sold this house via seller finance, and it's great that they're paying me, you know, $600 a month, but you know, I'd really rather get, you know, the, you know, vast majority of the money up front. And so I'll just sell the note now. And so they'll use direct mail to go out and uh, find notes uh, from kind of mom and pop uh, note sellers that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- those are kind of the big three uh, ways just off the top of my head. So, but that's something that uh, is very important and uh, in terms of setting relationships and finding people to do business with. So mm-hmm. hope that answers his question. Yeah, well, he has a second question. He says, oh, does Bill negotiate directly with the borrower to modify the loan, or does he has have his servicer do this? And if he does it himself, how does he make sure he, he complies with all the applicable borrower protection laws? Yep, you are exactly correct, and that's why I personally do not negotiate directly with the borrower. When I do buy a note... Um, I do speak with the servicer, and I tell the servicer, look, this is what's going on with this note. This is what I picked up in the collateral file. This is what I think is likely. Uh, This is what I would be willing to do in order to resolve this note. And then they take that information and actually negotiate with the borrower and try to come up with the best resolution. But it always starts with me with a... uh, conversation with the servicer this is what i'm hoping for this is what i'm expecting and sometimes there is a little back and forth and that type of thing Uh, even if i've been very clear from the start um, borrowers sometimes and even not not always necessarily their fault the borrowers are trying to figure out what that is they want to do also and that partly depends on the servicer so there's a little bit of a song and dance where the servicer is working with the borrower, and it might take a number of phone calls. But exactly what he said, for that reason, in terms of the uh, lawful compliance laws, and some states actually require a debt collector's license to even own the loan. Uh, Georgia is one, for example. But that's why I always my, personally use a third-party servicer to keep me compliant with the laws and just make sure that everything is done properly. And let's face it, they're going to be more rehearsed. They do that all day, every day. They're going to be better dealing with a uh, borrower and kind of sorting out kind of the meat of what they're getting at. Uh, they're going to be better at that than I am. Is that expensive? Um, it can be. Uh, I don't. Th- I think it's a very good value for what you get. Um, if it's just a regular performing loan, um, and the borrower is essentially just collecting payments and keeping track of paperwork, 
there are borrowers out there that will do that for less than $20 a month. Um, if it's a non-performing loan and you're doing a full-blown workout, like I said, it can take a number of phone calls to borrowers and you're dealing with sometimes modifying paperwork and that, that can get to be more expensive than sometimes you can be talking $70, $80 a month, something like that. But again, the payment uh, should be worth it in the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a fill-in-the-blank question. You ready? Never tried doing this on the radio before. Okay, great. I could never be successful at note buying if I blank. Uh, if I could, if I did not do proper due diligence on the property and the collateral files, starting with your proper due diligence before you do anything, it is essential. I'd say that's the number one key to success. Nice. Nice. So we only have about two minutes left in the show, Bill. So I want to I want to get your perspective because you're you're really plugged into the note community. You go to all sorts of events and you're always online and all the note forms and everything. What is your sense of whether notes are going to be, become a bigger business or a smaller business over the next five years? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, a lot of people think that the economy, um, you know, might be due for a downturn here. If that is the case, then history has shown that there probably would be a larger number of non-performing notes that would become available again if people are losing jobs or having trouble paying, uh, making house payments. Uh, I never, ever root for something like that because, as you know, Vina, there's opportunity to be had in really any phase of the economic cycle. Uh, right now, actually, I think there's opportunity with regards to uh, what's called re-performing notes, and these are houses that maybe someone had some trouble paying, but now maybe they their job situation solidified or they got a better paying job. So now all of a sudden they can start making those payments. Uh, so there's opportunity with that with regards to today. And then there's always, always going to be opportunity with uh, performing notes. Um, some people just either can't, for whatever reason, uh, get you know conventional financing. So they would be looking at trying to buy a house under private financing, something like that. So there would always be opportunity with, uh, with that with regards to uh, note buying. Very good. Bill, appreciate you spending some time with us today and trying to help other folks who are, in the, who are in the position you were in two years ago when you were trying to decide how to go with this to maybe get a little more clarity on how the note market works. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week at Cincinnati RIA for folks who want to do that at CincinnatiRIA.com. And we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.